Welcome to the Utility Finance Technology Podcast, where we learn from people in the regulated industry who influence and implement technology solutions. From process automations to system implementations to cloud versus on-prem considerations, we want to learn what benefits have people seen? What are some cautionary tales? And how do people see finance technology helping employees, shareholders, and ratepayers into the future? Today, I'll be chatting with Mike Givens, Senior FinTech Automation Engineer at Intergy. Mike serves the finance group by designing and building process automations. But maybe more importantly, Mike has a passion for equipping others in finance with the knowledge and training required to build automations on their own, to get their engineer juices flowing to support their day-to-day jobs as finance professionals. In this episode, Mike describes some of the automation tools that are readily available to most utility finance professionals, things like Microsoft Power Platform and Python. And he describes how Intergy has developed a community of citizen developers who support and learn from each other as they discover opportunities to become more efficient and to enjoy their jobs more. It's my pleasure to welcome Mike Givens to the podcast. Hey, Mike, welcome to the podcast. Glad to be here. So, so Mike, I I heard about you through a conversation I was having with another utility process improvement guy. He he was looking to automate some reporting and validations around revenue accounting, and uh, and he was trying to wrangle some pretty large kind of gnarly data sets out of the source software. And he said, "So I was telling me, he said I reached out to my automation guy, and he knocked it out for me." So. So I was intrigued about who this person was and and how does this operationally work to have an automation person uh, or team supporting finance. So he put me in touch with you, the the automation guy that he was talking about, and and uh, we spoke and and it was very clear uh, to me that that you have a passion for and and a knowledge of all things around automation and technology and, and that you have a heart for for helping people. So I was I was very, very excited that you were willing to, to join me here. So um, maybe maybe uh, Mike, just to just to start off, can you provide a, a brief uh, description of your current role? Sure. I heard I heard about the position um, manager at Energy saw my LinkedIn profile. Uh, I was current at the time I was working as an RPA engineer at at HP, uh, and he asked about my interest in being a senior member of of a new five member team that they were standing up to support automation needs for just finance. They needed this because the the uh, the other team at currently at Energy they were working on RPA using Automation Anywhere, and that team uh, felt like. The fin- some of the, a lot of these finance automations that people were asking for were too small for them to work 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 on, and so one of the uh, the account one of the accounting teams they had put in a, a request for an automation, and the the VP had said that they had been waiting a year, over a year, mm-hmm. and I delivered that 
uh, automation, a power automation uh, for them within the first two weeks of, of me joining the company. And so, so they waited they, one year, they waited one year to the full year to, to get this thing, this very specific thing that they're looking mm-hmm. for. And you yeah. came in and in two weeks you had turned it around for them. So you're a hero at that point. Yeah, already. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. And it was, uh, you know, it was, it was something that I, you know, I maybe in RPA teams defense understand it was, uh, they wanted some distribution list. Now it was for no more than, it wasn't just one distribution list. It turns out it's about 36 distribution list mm-hmm. and all the admins for all these different distribution lists, they had to go in and manually as people transferred to jobs, maybe retired. It was a, it was an ongoing battle for them to keep, keep those distribution lists maintained. Mm-hmm. And of course, when they're sending out emails to their group, they like to use their distribution list. And so I, the automation I created actually create, keeps those distribution lists up to date automatically. The admins don't have to touch them. Got it. Got it. Okay. So it, it sounds like you're, you're a big proponent or big user of the, uh, the Microsoft suite of products, uh, among other things, uh, for, for your, your automations. Um, you know, you, you've mentioned, um, that you've used Power Automate. I think you've used Power Apps, Power BI. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yes. I think some folks think of those all as kind of the same thing. Um, but, but can you help, can you help us understand kind of how to think about those, those different, uh, specific Microsoft products and what their, you know, what their primary uses are? Absolutely, Blake. Uh, those whole, those whole products, they fall under what Microsoft actually terms power, uh, Microsoft Power Platform. Part of power, the, the, the apps in power, or the things in Power Platform are Power Automate, Power Apps, Power Power BI, and then there's another one, Power Virtual Agents. And uh, anyway, so I've used Power Automate. Power Automate is where it's considered. They call it low code. It's where you can go in to the tool. It's a it's a web based tool, so it's in the cloud. So you go there and you can actually, uh, think of it is it's a way to create automations where you have triggers, some, something that causes the automation to begin. Then you have actions that follow, uh, after the trigger. So I'll give you a quick example. Uh, email comes into your inbox with a, with a C, you know, with a file. Maybe it's a Excel or a CSV or something. So in the past, people would do, would take that CSV and go and do whatever they were going to do manually, maybe move it to a SharePoint or whatever they were going to do. Power Automate has a trigger that says when an email comes into your inbox, that's called the trigger. So an email comes into an inbox and you can't, you set it up by, uh, specifying what the subject would be. Uh, you can have maybe have it watch for who the email came from. So that that's the trigger. So the email comes in, Power Automate sees, oh, okay, that has this subject line. Okay, and so it starts running. Then maybe the next action, then now you have an action, and the next action could be maybe you want to save that file to a certain location. Uh, 
Maybe you want to read the data in that file and create a table that sends out that information to a stakeholder. That's, that's where Power Automate comes in. Power Apps, another one of the parts of Microsoft Power, uh, Power Platform, that's, uh, that's a little bit different in that you can create your own UI, uh, that, the, that, uh, whoever's using your Power App, now you can, you can create a form, you could create just anything that you want them to see visually and allow them, you can b- add buttons and navigation where you can, where you can actually, it's almost, think of it, it's, it's like a desktop app almost. Now you've got this power app that you run it from the browser and now you can just build and design whatever you want that app to do. The great thing about the whole Microsoft platform is they, they communicate back and back and forth each other. So you can have a start with the power app. And if you need power automate to do something, you just connect, you connect and build a, a, a power automate flow that communicates back and back to the power app. Uh, and that communication can be bi-directional. Uh, Power BI, of course, is that's that's something where you can give a visual look to your data. You use the visualizations. Uh, yeah. So that's, okay. So yeah. that that's great. That's actually a way better understanding than than I had coming into this call. So all right. So power power automate. I guess I'd think about that maybe as. Um, as a as a single user accessible version of the traditional kind of like batch process servers, right? Where you can you can kind of uh, sequence uh, programs and and, mm-hmm. and apply trigger files and things like that that kick off different processes and have like a check in place that says, "Hey, don't proceed if this isn't true," or, or so on and so forth. But then that can trigger applications that are built in 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 the power apps uh, area? Well, it's the power app can communicate and ask power automate to do something for mm. it. And when okay. power automate does that, it can push back whatever that result gotcha. is back to the power app. So the person using the power app never even has to have any, doesn't even have to know that there's a power automate behind it. It's just, you build, you build a, a something in the power app that makes that, passes whatever the power automate flow needs the information it needs mm-hmm. power automate goes out and does all its fancy footwork and it gets an answer mm-hmm. and pa- passes it back to the power app and this happens all very quickly so mm-hmm. the person clicks on a button you know is expecting an answer and then you know within seconds or something it comes back and you know there there's what they were looking for so that the, what you were talking about at the beginning, where you're you're creating email distribution lists, and earlier you I think before the call we're talking about some things you were doing in SharePoint. Are those that the the actual processes that you're building there? Are you building those in the Power Automate framework? Uh, m- much of it, m- much mm-hmm. of it is Power Power Automate. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Okay. So where does uh, I'm curious, you know, I've been around for a little while doing doing automations and be- or sort of trying to make things make processes more efficient. Way back, you know, it was all we build things in macros, right? If we wanted mm-hmm. to kind of take Microsoft Excel up to the next level, we we build macros and and Excel, um, maybe access even an access database if we're being super super fancy and and techy. Um, 
is that still used as part of this this ecosystem or is that replaced by some of these microsoft tools yeah well there are people that obviously are are certainly still doing things with macros vba in in the excel and everything uh i don't deal with that uh i i take that that's that's something that that individual is running, you know, on the macro mm-hmm. on their machine or whoever has access to that macro. If you think about Power Automate, that can absolutely be productivity for an individual, but more importantly, it can be the productivity tool that helps that go to more than one person. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, more like a shared or distributed type of type of process. Mm-hmm. Okay. I get it. All right. That makes sense. All right. Well, let's get, let's back off a little bit from the, the kind of weeds of the, the technical yeah, side sure. and, and just talk about just procedurally, you know, your role is, is very interesting. Um, you, you've got, you've got folks that are, that are doing finance work, uh, closing the books, uh, doing data analysis and, um, uh, so forth. They're reaching out to you, I think, to say, Hey, Mike, I'm, I'm trying to accomplish something here. Can you help me with this? And I've been waiting for it for a year and you turn it around in two weeks. That's awesome. Uh, that's an awesome example there. But, but what does that, what does that look like? So they, they, they say, Mike, can you build this to me? And you, you create something to help them off, help them out. Is, is there a handoff that occurs, um, that where they kind of take ownership of it or do you retain, uh, management of that process? Well, uh, one of the things that that I always my whole philosophy is uh, I you know and this is an overused phrase but teach people to fish mm-hmm. so I I enjoy and I enjoy that part that aspect of it because I you know it is something that maybe I don't want to do forever mm-hmm. so so you teach the person how to because they may have other use cases you show them how to do to fulfill one use case. They could have another use case that kind of follows the same techniques, but maybe it just looks a little bit different. You show them how to do that one technique. I, I think of it as I teach them how to do a technique mm-hmm. that then they can repeat. And and I'm always available to, you know, if they get stuck. And that's one of the things I pride myself in is reaching out and following up and keeping up. Uh, mm-hmm. I do put error handlers and error checkers and all of any of the automations I do. So that if there are errors, I do get emailed uh, behind mm-hmm. the scenes. So it's kind of funny. I surprise them sometimes. I may get an, I could get an error message and I'll reach out and contact them before they've even realized they had an error. So, right. you know, I, I've tried to be proactive with, with all of my automations. But yeah, I mean, you definitely need to hand off. Some of them need to be handed off. And, and I do that just like I said, by showing them and, we go over it until they they have a clear understanding of what it's doing. And then hopefully, like I say, if there's an, another similar use case that they come against, mm-hmm. they have the skills to go and, and do it themselves. Is there is there a management, sort of a formal management uh, sort of policy, not policy, but when something is created, is, is there a, a designation of, hey, this person or this group? Uh, technically owns this this process so when it when it needs to be changed or it breaks or uh, yes, so forth yeah. that, that they have yes yes there is uh power automate has the uh you 
they have these things they call solutions. You put your flows, the actual things that you build in Power Automate Cloud, mm-hmm. they're, they're called flows. Individually, they're called flows. Well, these flows get put into something called a solution. These okay. solutions, they get migrated from like a test environment, dev environment to a production environment. And then Interfuge does have a DevOps team that's coming up to speed with low code. They're very good at the RPA. Mm-hmm. They've done that a lot more experience with that. The dev, the DevOps team at Energy, they're, mm-hmm. they're coming up to speed really quickly with, with, uh, flow, with Power Automate and things. So they, that is the, that is the design. The ultimate design is, uh, automations built in like one environment. And then they, they will, when they're, when they're ready to go, they'll get promoted to a DevOps environment that, that's monitored. And, uh, yeah. So is there, all right. So that's interesting. So there's you, there's this DevOps community. Is there, is there kind of a broader, um, community of just people that are building automations and in, internal to, to Intergy? Like, and, and who, who is, who does that consist of? Yeah. We, uh, at Intergy, we use WebEx, uh, WebEx, and I can, I get it, I always get it mixed up because I'm jumping back and forth, but I don't remember mm-hmm. if it's WebEx channels or WebEx, whatever that's called, but there's a, there's a citizen developers WebEx channel okay. where people post questions. They, they'll offer solutions. Uh, I'm a member of that. And there's quite a few members that are, we call ourselves citizen developers because mm-hmm. we're developing for ourselves or for our team. And so as we come across questions, you'll see the posting postings in there. And I'm, I'm proactive on that. It's not in my job description, but because I care and because that's, if I know the answer to something, I'm not going to be quiet. I, I'll, po- <laughs> I'll post the answer. Mm-hmm. Or if I, even if I don't know the answer, if it's an interesting, uh, pro, you know, question and I have time, I'll invite them. I, mm-hmm. I should say, even if I don't have time, I invite them to meet with me uh-huh. so that I can, you know, try to help them, help them, uh, hash it out. Teach them how and, to fish, right? Yeah. Yeah. Teach them how to fish. But you know what you'll, what you'll find. And I know you're aware of this. Everyone's, uh, anytime you're answering other people's question, you learn more yourself mm-hmm. because these use cases that they come to with, come to me with the problem. I may not have ever worked on that exact use case. Well, by the time I'm done, now I have. So it's just more, more another tool to put in my tool belt. Nice, nice. So how does one join this uh, citizen developer community? It, it's, it's within Entergy. Uh, you can, uh, uh, there's a certain person you can reach out to and, and request. And he, but it's he open adds to you. anyone, just anyone mm-hmm. with anyone at Entergy. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's yep. right. Mm-hmm. There's one for Power BI. It's pr- pretty mm-hmm. much like the same. There's I haven't I have noticed there's not one for Power Apps, which I've considered creating one maybe for Power mm-hmm. Apps. Right now, there's one for for uh, Power Automate, low code, and then one for Power BI, and they're both very active. You, you don't go a day without seeing seeing some some interactions between people. Mm-hmm. I created uh, my own channel. I call it uh, Power Automate Tips and Tricks. Okay. And uh, it was supposed to be, uh, I think it's somebody was teasing me the other day because uh, it says Power, uh, 
Power Automate tips and weekly tips and tricks. Uh-huh. And they were teasing <laughs> me because you, I might have five entries in a day. Oh my so, gosh. You know, what happened? Okay. What happened to the week? It's more like minutely, <laughs> minutely tips and tricks. Yeah, that's right? what he was. Yeah. yeah, he was saying maybe you could change that. Maybe you should change the name of that. But it's, it's things, uh, and for that, I, I post things that, uh, maybe if, are interest to me that I think other people could benefit from mm-hmm. all, re- all automation, but I, I, it could be anything from, uh, a power automate question a, in that citizen developer or, no, I'm sorry, in that, in my new channel, mm-hmm. I, I'll talk about power apps. I'll talk about, uh, power automate. I'll talk about Python, um, mm-hmm. uh, just, or, or anything, really anything like, uh, Related to an automation, you know, there's use cases still for just building uh, batch files and use this task scheduler. I mean, the, mm-hmm. some some things are are really truly too small for Power Automate. And you know, if it's a personal personal things, I have things that run every day that are really just triggered off schedule task, calling a batch file and doing some doing some action on your own local machine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, well, let's, let's talk a minute then about, um, you know, I, I think you, you'd probably agree not every process is, is the best process in the world to, to consider for automation. What, what would you, what are kind of the criteria that you would use to, um, to identify the processes that, that you'd say, yep, yeah, this, this is one we need to tackle. And maybe on the flip side, the ones that you'd say, yeah, probably we, yeah. we'd lay off of that one for now. Yeah. Yeah, well, for for ones that that would be, I, I say, ripe for automation, mm-hmm. anything that that is manual and tedious but repeatable. Mm-hmm. I mean, by that I mean you're doing the same basic steps every day. It's the same files. Mm-hmm. You're doing the same thing. Maybe you're copying data from one spreadsheet into another, or that kind of thing. That that's perfect for automation. Mm-hmm. Where the thing and and by counter the things that wouldn't be so good a fit for an automation that you know just really wouldn't work out well if it's if it's something that the the different um, it there there's just something that's not really repeatable about it it varies so much also if there if there's something that before a next step occurs you have to you a user really needs to look at it then then you know that that would break the automation so that's not a that wouldn't be an ideal use case that said if if there's something that you could put in front of an an analyst that's going to decide what to do next if there's some way to automate preparing that data faster in other words it giving them uh uh giving them more time to actually analyze instead of them spending all the time, like some of the people spending tons of time, just manipulating the data, getting it in the way they need it. And then spending a, they don't have as much time to actually look at the data and analyze it. If you can, if you can take care of that front piece and deliver the data to them sooner, then they, then they can spend, you know, three quarters of their time analyzing and, and, you know, much less time, you know, in theory, no time in gathering the data. You have that. That's all automated, delivered on the exact day. There's, a, I know, in in all finance departments, there's thing end of year, end of month, beginning sure. of month. 
things that you know you could if, if automated deliver those things those things mm-hmm. that they need those files that they need on those certain days then then now they're all they have to do is analyze the data put it in the systems visualize it that kind of thing yeah just yeah eliminate that whole ET, manual etl process right take mm-hmm. it from one place mm-hmm. and put it into another yep yes so okay, maybe one or two other other questions, Mike. This has been this has been wonderful. Thank you for uh, for all the great great insight. Um, maybe talk about you know you you, you kind of have your hands in a lot of different things. You uh, Microsoft products. Uh, you mentioned Python. Um, what are some of the things that you're most excited about um, coming down the pike in the area of, of automation, low code, no code, AI, you name it. Yes. Well, uh, recently I, I'm spending a lot of time, uh, not only for work items, but also kind of hobby, hobby ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really, in, I'm enjoying integrating open AI, uh, the ability of open AI to speed up my development. Hmm. Uh, and one of the things I wanted to, I, I put it in my notes to caution people with open AI, don't ever send your real data. You know, mm-hmm. to open AI, it's my understanding all of that stays in there forever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, so don't don't send your real financials there. <laughs> but right. uh, I'll, I'll ask, you know, questions like what's a what's a best approach to uh, converting CSV to an XLSX? Okay. Know, what's the best? And so you'll get you'll get information back on that thing, on those approaches. So mm-hmm. that's a high enough general question. It's not like you're not giving away any company secrets or anything. So that actually has made me a, a, fa- a much faster uh, uh, Python developer because okay. I get I can I can get quick ideas off from uh, OpenAI by open asking the questions to OpenAI. And Python is I am, I'm learning more and more every day. Python is a very powerful language that can be used in automation. That's why I was able to help the colleague with mm-hmm. uh, with the, uh, the 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 large CSVs, the super mm-hmm. large CSVs. Mm-hmm. He, it, the, he had one call. I'll give you an example. He had a column that it was, you know, you can imagine 12 million, not 12 million, 1.2 million rows mm-hmm. that have a, the date. It's a CSV, but in the, in the, the um, the comma delimited area that that dates in, the date was just month and year, and I can't remember other than he just said, "No, I need that to be date, month, and year." And so you can imagine how long that might take you if you. I guess you could do it and go in and open and accept open a CSV. But it's going to take you a long time to open 1.2 million rows yes. CSV, right? It's going to take yes, a while. And, to open. and you're outside of the limits of Excel at that point, so you yeah. can't open it in Excel, yeah, because you've got the yeah. one million row limit. Yeah. Yep. So, so I, I I found out how to do that, and uh, that that CSV drops into a into a folder that I'm monitoring that a Python script is monitoring, and it goes and it changes that date format in that column. We're talking uh, 
20 seconds, it's done mm-hmm. and it emails him the, wow. emails him the, uh, the final file or not so, so, email. It actually just lets him know that the file is available. So, so you mentioned Python several times. Maybe, maybe just, uh, give me a quick, uh, understanding of where, like, like you've, you've got all these tools available to you. What, what do you see when you're analyzing a problem and you say that, that, that deserves a, a or that needs a Python? program built or Python script built for it? What, what is it? What is Python specifically? What are its strengths? Uh, well, the, the one, the one example use case that I can think of right away that just is screamed, this has got to be Python. It can't be low code. Mm-hmm. It can't be RPA. It needs, it needs Python. Uh, we, we had a file that it's on a windows network drive. And it needs to be on a Linux server. Mm. Okay. Well, Power Automate, at least our, nothing in our uh, rollout of Power Automate has any kind of connector that can do anything like that. Mm-hmm. There is, there is one connector I actually tried in Power Automate that would have been great. It could have worked, but it does, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so, uh, I found a Python solution. People were, scratching their heads. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, we've got to make this happen, but nobody could figure it out. We have data scientists, data engineers, no one could figure it out. Mm-hmm. So I did a little research, came back and I found there's a perfect pack, a Python package. It's called mm-hmm. Paramico and I may be pronouncing it wrong, but that package does exactly that. It can communicate with from a Windows side mm-hmm. to a Linux side. And so now that file, when it comes in, it comes actually comes in as an email. Mm-hmm. When that file comes in an email, I, I do use Power Automate to save it out to the network file. Mm-hmm. The Python script is watching for the arrival of that file. And when it arrives, it uses that package and it pushes it out to the Linux, to the exact location on that Linux server that, mm-hmm. so that it can be used further downstream. Okay, so, so all right, so there's one where you're talking about moving so, information between operating systems. So that mm-hmm. requirement sounds like Python's a good fit for. And you also mentioned just large data sets, it sounds like, where you've got to process and manipulate potentially yeah, large data I sets. Spent, I spent uh, way too many hours, uh, maybe days, trying to, to uh, uh, a CSV file, trying to get it in the exact format that I needed using just slow code, using Power Automate. Mm-hmm. Tried you know, get close, but it was the same sort of thing that uh, that the accountant that I helped had, had experienced too. You can't, you 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 had no idea the data. You couldn't count on the the data was truly comma separated. Mm-hmm. I mean, there would be commas within something that shouldn't have been split. You know, mm-hmm. maybe it was a, a description that actually had double you know, quotes around it or yeah, something. It had like some that. double quotes. It even had a comma or anything. So, uh, Py- I, I looked to Python. Python has a, a beautiful package. Everybody, everybody that's a data science, data engineer has heard of this. It's Pandas. It's, okay. uh, that, that just handled that use case exactly, uh, perfectly. It, it didn't come, it doesn't complain. Mm-hmm. It just did it exactly the way it should be. So I end up with, with a uh, nice XLSX that's exactly as it should be. 
Okay. Wonderful. All right. Well, that that's helpful. All right. So let me let me close maybe with uh, with one final question, Mike. So first of all, I just you know I, I knew going into this, you have a heart for helping people and not just helping them, but helping elevate people. And I I, I love that. You know the way you're jumping on your citizen developer channel, your your minutely best practice uh, channel that you're creating. It just it shows a real and, and not just heart for helping people, but passion for this technology that you see that can help people. So so uh, that that's that's fantastic. And I, I, I appreciate you helping a lot of folks that I know, a lot of friends that friends that we share. So uh, I, I know they value your contribution. So um, final question. So if someone is looking to kind of come up to speed, you know, they, they say, I want to know what Mike knows. I want to be able to do what Mike does. I want to be like Mike, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. What what resources would you point someone toward? Uh, maybe somebody that's just learning, starting out, or maybe somebody that's learning to become more proficient in the tools that you've found most valuable. Where would you point them? Uh, well, there's quite a bit, of, of course, uh, that you could get off of the Microsoft site. Uh, for a long, longest time, I have questions. I mean, I used to consider Google my best friend, but uh, Google's no longer my best friend. Now it's uh, ChatGPT or mm-hmm. U.com. I use, I, you know, I use those quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do subscribe to newsletters or, or things that, that match, match those type of, you know, either it's Power Automate, uh, mm-hmm. Power Apps, Python. I get tons of, of things in my inbox every day Py- about Python now lately. I wait, I, I look at them and, you know, I can just tell just by the title, can I use that? If the answer, if I can't use it now, then I'll read, I'll go down to the next one. If I see something, oh, that's exactly, you know, I can, I can use it. Read. So my, one of my tips is, is do read, subscribe, read. And there's no substitute for trying you know, for testing. I mean, you can read and you can look at code all day long, but until you actually put it into an environment and start, I call it kicking the tires, that's, that's where you learn the most because you'll, you'll try something, maybe it won't work. And then you go, you figure out, okay, well, okay, why didn't that work? Yeah. And that's where, you know, when it doesn't work, again, don't give any specific data, but that's when you can go and elevate your game by using the open AI to say, okay, this was my result. Why didn't that work? And it'll give you some suggestions. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you that ChatGPT and you.com, they're great Python, Python okay. code suggestions. They just give you the skeleton code. And the thing that I found very advan- advantageous is I just started learning Python about maybe six months ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I wouldn't necessarily know what package to use, you know, mm-hmm. okay, I want to do this. I want to, I want to work with CSVs and I want to work with XLSX. Uh, I wouldn't have necessarily known, okay, what's the best package. So you go in and you ask those, those open AI questions and they say, Oh, mm-hmm. pandas. I go, Oh, okay. <laughs> there you are. Yep, so, the you know, it, it, it jumpstarts your, your development. And, and again, the, I mean, it can answer questions too about Power Automate. Uh, the, the Microsoft Power Automate and Power Apps, Microsoft has a ton of, of helpful tips that, that, you know, could benefit, could benefit you. 
I don't use that. I think because I, I kind of probably already beyond that a little bit. But the other thing I do, I do find YouTube channel people that I respect on YouTube. Uh, there's a particular guy that I, whenever he puts something out for about power apps, I, I check it out. Mm-hmm. And I, so I learn things. I pick up tips from YouTube also. Okay. But use the use the tools, research, mm-hmm. and then again, there's no substitute for actually sitting down and start typing. Identify typing a problem that you that yeah. you think you can apply automation mm-hmm. to, and just get started. Yeah, yeah. and there's nothing mm-hmm. nothing wrong with starting simple. You know. Mm-hmm. Yep, makes sense. Well, thank you, Mike. That was great. Uh, thank you for all you're doing to. Um, support a lot of folks out there at, at Entergy and what you've done at, at HP already making folks lives better and I, and I actually think probably making their work a lot more interesting by keeping them out of the the mundane and 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 showing them you know for those folks that have those engineering ter- tendencies like you and I do helping them elevate those skill sets as well a lot of times it's like it's just fun right we we didn't we didn't fall out of love with building when we gave up on Legos. We just, uh, yeah. <laughs> we, exactly. we just look to more, more complex and, and interesting things. So yeah, mm-hmm. uh, love it. Well, well, thanks so much, Mike. Appreciate all the time uh, on the podcast today and uh, look forward to hearing from you in the future. My pleasure, Blake. I appreciate it. Thanks for your time. Thanks for joining the Regulated Capital Conversations podcast with Blake Andrews. We're excited about upcoming conversations we'll have with technology superstars in our industry, so make sure you follow us wherever you listen to your podcasts. We're also excited to hear from you. If there's someone you'd like to hear on the podcast, or if you would like to share something yourself, please feel free to reach out to us at podcast at regulatedconversations.com. Who knows? Maybe the next guest on Regulated Capital Conversations is you. We'll see you back again for our next episode soon.